Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. There hasn't been a Leeds game for ages, which, after the Sheffield United match, is probably a good thing. And with more and more of our players warming benches all over the world this weekend, we talk about the state of international football today, and in the good old days when Andy Sinton was an England regular. Plus, a lot of worrying about this bloody running for Leeds. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 27 and I would like to welcome into the studio Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. And Oddie. Hello. A quick note about the mag then, the last couple of hundred copies of issue 8 remain, they're going to be on sale against Forest but they will sell out. Uh, You can grab that online if you want to uh, make sure you secure your copy, get it online at thesquareball.net, otherwise make sure you get down to the ground at Ellen Road nice and early to make sure you get a paper copy. Don't forget you can also grab the digital download on the website once again at thesquareball.net. How many digital downloads have we got left? Will that sell out before the first game? <laughs> They're actually unlimited. Wow. We must have a big warehouse, is what <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, you can also find the blog on the website at thesquareball.net. And we would love to hear from you. Do get in touch with us. Email podcast at thesquareball.net. You can find us on Facebook and you can also reach us on Twitter. So part one is going to be fairly brief, I would imagine, this time, because we've only had one game in this last fortnight because of the international week. And it sucked. Yeah, it did. It was a week and a half ago now, so perhaps emotions have settled down a little bit. But uh, Sheffield United 2, Leeds United 0, and we were awful. Wank is what you've written down here. I wrote that, actually. But yeah, that was my (coughs) one-word summary. Yeah, it it wasn't maybe quite as bad as Barnsley, but it was made worse by... The fact they're clearly such a bad side. They didn't have any ideas, and yet they still beat us. We just, I think we just expected us to start playing at some point and, and just think, oh, it's fine, they're rubbish, we'll, we'll eventually step up to it and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get on top of this game. But we never did, did we? And as you say, an absolutely dreadful team we lost to. All they did was kick it from one corner of the pitch to the other, like left full-back to the right wing, right full-back to the left wing, occasionally up the middle. And unfortunately, our defence being the way it is, you'll get through eventually doing that. Or we'll, we'll score for you, one of the two. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think the day started particularly well when I heard words that you know would send fear into the heart of any Yorkshireman when my missus said, oh, you can drop me off at Meadowhall. But um, I knew it wasn't going to be a good day as soon as she said that. What, did you want to go with her? On reflection, yeah. Well, I took my daughter to the, uh, to the kids' play area with a ball pool 
probably would have been more fun than Bramall Lane. Bowpools are clearly more fun than Sheffield United will ever be. But it's worrying that Doyler managed to ruin our midfield just by... I don't know, he must... Perhaps while he was here, he studied. He was watching Housen and Johnson's movements. Just generally, not even just about football. I remember he may be whispering dark things. I know what you ordered at Nando's. <laughs> and he put them off. Because somehow, our, you know... All action Premier League teams are interested in Johnson, Housen's in the England setup, and yet they're allowed themselves to get bossed around by a couple of um, combative central midfielders. Doyle swore at me as well. Oh yes, of course he did. Well, a group he? of us actually in that general vicinity. Well, we were just singing nasty things at him, weren't we, and shouting at him, and he he told us to uh, foxtrot uniform Charlie Kilo off. He was entitled to do it, I suppose, but he was being a bit of a gobby bastard, to be honest. Yeah, but he, he turned around and, and said that to us, and then we started singing, you're too shit to play for Leeds, um, and going down, going down, going down, and he went, yeah, I know, like he'd won an intellectual <laughs> argument. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, that's the... Doesn't escape the fact. That's the worrying thing, a thick hole like that. And uh, what's the other Sheffield United midfielder player? Montgomery. Montgomery. Montgomery Burns. Those two. <laughs> the Just, Leeds fan. They just, yeah, the alleged Leeds fan said he'd, uh, didn't he say he'd walk across broken glass to sign for Leeds? But not for that money. Not for that money, and <laughs> and then to get his revenge for not paying us enough, he'll be broken glass in... Our promotion yeah. well, Oh, I was going to say, Halston's pretty much water bottle, which is possibly um, upping a, a minor incident into a newspaper worth of scandal. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to go into it, but... No, we were made to look very, very bad in midfield. Not that they used midfield a lot. You can understand why they pitched, you know, plumped for someone like Doyle, who was, you know, underwhelming for Leeds, but effective last season when we got promoted. But they don't use midfield, do they? Like you say, it was just front to back, front to back every time. Well, they just stopped us from using it. I think that's why there's almost... I mean, it's you can't draw so many conclusions from it because obviously with Montgomery and Doyle, they are getting relegated and relegated hard. So... Oh, we should have done that isn't really a good answer. But maybe maybe a smidgen of Doyle in our midfield, a, a tad of Doyle, a small amount of Doyle, a, a, a scraping of Doyle. <laughs> what would it do, though? Tell me. Our season. <laughs> I think the, the thing that I was most worried about, and it's, we've seen it on a few occasions this season, was the lack of a plan B when they were forcing us into a particular tactic, which in this case was lumping the ball as hard and as high as we could at Max Gradle, who incidentally was being marked by, what's his name, Nosworthy was it? Yeah, it who about is, the biggest fullback you'll see. He's absolutely huge for a fullback, and they were just pinging it at Max Gradle's head, and surprisingly enough it wasn't working. It was total and utter lack of any other ideas, there was no plan B, no other ideas, no football, no Ideas how to break them down, get round them, get through them. It was dire from start to finish. Didn't we shove Houston on the right wing for a bit, though? That was a, a bit of lateral thinking. It wasn't the wing so much as just to keep that 4 4. Well, they moved into a 4 4 2 shape to try and combat whatever it was that Sheffield United <laughs> were doing. But that didn't work either. But Johnny went back to being the very worst kind of Johnny Anonymous that we, we saw many times last season. Plan B was Billy Painter, clearly, who did get a scraping of someone. <laughs> Into our team. Did anybody see what happened? Well, we were we were very close to it, weren't we? Right in front of it, and I don't honestly know what happened, but I think he was sent off in quite dubious circumstances by a linesman who'd not seen it either, who told the ref something that he'd later made up. Because <laughs> <laughs> the linesman wasn't flagging at all as the ball went out on the far side. Then he got Lowry got up and pushed Painter, and then the ref got involved, then he had a word with the linesman, and then between them they decided that he'd stamped on him. It, Even though neither of them had pulled it up the first time. Well, it started out, didn't it, that they were they were falling over one another, and you know as players do, they sort of sh- they'll shove and push when they're trying to get up, 
and Painter got up first, and it did. He did stand on him, I think, but there's no obvious sign that it was intentional. I'd stand on Shane Lowry as well, <laughs> given half a chance. You'd probably break him, but yeah, there was no um, there was no sign that it was intentional. There was no malice because I saw his foot land on him. I thought, all right, okay, fair enough. And then, like you say, it just escalated, didn't it? And it was complaints to the ref and players, other players pushing and shoving. And Lowry was lifting his shirt up to the ref. I don't know what I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> He scratched me! But Lowry did retaliate, so surely there should have been a booking or something. Well, but this is the thing. can't do one without the other. No, but the ref called him over, and I, and I remarked to you, Michael, didn't I? I said, this is going to be, it's a classic, didn't see it, but I'll give him both a yellow card situation. And he was going to do that until I think somebody pointed him out over towards the linesman, went over to see the linesman, and they conversed. And he came back, and it was yellow to Lowry and red to Painter, but, you know, the game was long gone by that point. It's I only think. just struck me that it was uh, Lowry and Painter. That's... That's <laughs> poor, I mean. No, I like that's really, really artistic. I like yeah. That. Matchstick, men. Exactly. It made no difference to the result. We wouldn't have scored. Had we still been playing? Would we have um, won if we'd taken McCartney off earlier? Was it Sommer that came on for McCartney, or was it Painter that came on? I can't remember the order. I can't remember the order. But certainly we took him off at... Uh, and decided Johnson is a better left back. McCartney, I, I'm not one for turning against individual players. I've got infinite patience with players, and I don't like to see players booed. Is it McCartney. you that wrote time for McCartney to piss off? No, it wasn't. Then. No, not in the notes. Um, <laughs> that was me again. He was. Abso- He's got a question mark after it. Yeah. To be fair. <coughs> oh, he was okay. absolutely dreadful in this match, wasn't he? I mean, and they were all bad. But he's done that a few times, so hasn't he? But yeah, but there was, there was one occasion where the ball. I think it was towards the edge of the area and, and I think Sheffield United, as a result, got a clear chance on goal. And all he had to do was stick his foot in and he pulled out like, like he was scared to put a tackle in. And I'm thinking, that's in your job description. And I had a bit of a rant at him. but Did he swear at you? No, he didn't. He was polite enough just to trot off. Thank you for your magnificent support. I don't think he likes confrontation of any kind. Getting a, a left-back in on loan was a good idea. Unfortunately, we've spunked all the money from the Arsenal matches on a shit one. We may as well just get the money and play Parker, and even if he ended up broken again, then, well... We'll try again next season. Yeah, we just, Should have kept then Andy we get Hughes. someone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at least Andy Hughes would leave a leg in, wouldn't he? I'm not one to slag off Leeds players, but he plays for Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, that's possibly a very good now, If you look, the last few months, so many goals that we've conceded have come down his side. It can't be a coincidence. And, if it, and him getting subbed off... Suggests to me that Grayson's seen it as well because I mean he, he did it with um, Bassoni at Barnsley. Um, that was just you know getting him out of the firing line, yeah, for yeah. his own protection. And then again, it just must have thought, well, we'd be better with Bradley Johnson at left back, who isn't even a left back. But yeah, but this ta- guy's just rubbish. Tactically, it does make sense in that they were just pumping high balls to the the channels which were coming into the fullbacks. So you know, and Johnson's good in the air. Yeah, and Johnson's yeah decent header of the ball. But well, uh, McCartney's quite big. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to win headers if he wasn't such a soft lad. Well, it, it, you don't often make a tactical change to remove your left back. It's not like the no. classic thing, and it suggests to me that it they just are the same. Uh, he just seems his heart's not in it, doesn't it? He just seems a bit flaky. I don't know. He's been caught out a few times going forward as well. He'll break forward and get get the ball on the halfway line, try and take someone on, then lose the ball. They'll have an attack, but he won't he won't trap back either. I mean, we are picking on him, but we can say it's not his fault. It's just the, the left back curse. That we the curse of the left earlier. back, yeah. Who's just another victim, another <laughs> innocent victim. Possibly the most disheartening aspect of the whole experience was probably, again, after the goal, each goal went in. It's just an awful, an awful thing. Why do fans let this happen at their clubs? I'd rather shoot myself than hear that song. It, shoot it kinda, myself. It, it goes on too long. It just made you think, well, you know what? I'm prepared to accept losing the goal because all you lot look worse. <laughs> Idiots. 
Hopefully we won't have to go there next year. Hopefully. I said afterwards, or I tweeted during the game, I think, saying we're losing to an absolutely awful side and they will go down. They are the crap. Like against Swansea, you could almost accept it because they clearly had a few good players. I couldn't name a single player of theirs that looked good and yet they easily beat us. I'm willing to say that my pre-match prediction that we would win easily because they're so terrible was actually right in retrospect. I was right. It's Leeds United that got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right, finally, let's try and draw a a tiny positive from it if we can. Barry Banana Man started in the midfield and he looked all right in amongst the sea of absolute cack. The best of a bad bunch. Looks like a decent footballer, like, as we've said before, perhaps a more mobile Kilkenny... Uh, but he's just, he, he, you can see his brain working faster, whereas some of our midfielders will get it, hold it, think, look Panic. around, think again. Oh no, someone's closing me down. I'll just punt it forward now. You could see he picked it up, always looking, moving, tackling. So there's probably quite a lot to come from him, I feel, in the running now. Will he be good for Aston Villa next season then? Yeah. <laughs> well, his through balls to Becchio just um, don't quite cut it. If you Be- take- Becchio was awful as well. It's worth mentioning that. He didn't win a single thing all day, which which didn't help when we were struggling to keep the ball. Every time it went towards him, they just got possession back. Oh, let's not talk about Sheffield anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, if you take all our loanees out of our squad and the out-of-contract players, we don't have many left, do we, really? Good, after that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, let's leave the Sheffield United thing there. We've managed to talk for long enough about a thoroughly depressing experience. At least we've had um, a bit of time off now to digest it. and We can start to feel optimistic again, can't we? Or I mean, can we? we've had these games where we've, we've looked completely abject and like we've not got a clue and then we've come back and put decent runs together so let's just hope uh, that's the case again and it's not this until the end of the season the quote about us having eight cup finals or whatever has clearly been taken to heart because this was the crap first, this, was the, this was the first of them and it very much resembled our two playoff appearances into part two now then should start off with a quick apology just before we get into part two and say sorry if you were hearing any sort of distortion in the sound quality in part one just there. Somebody's been tinkering with our microphones in our studio, but we've, we've haunted down the culprit and beat them to within an inch of their life and they've remedied the problem now. So sorry about that if you were upset and annoyed by the quality of part one. If Daniel Goldthorpe from our Facebook page is listening with his head in his hands, possibly <laughs> weeping at the moment, at least take notice there's no mobile phones causing interference through the whole thing. Yeah, sorry about time. that. We, we're not, as far as we're aware. We're not quite sure what caused that, apart from the fact that it was a mobile <laughs> phone but we're not, we're not sure why that happened Daniel Goldthorpe says it's a mobile phone and I, I think he's right I suspect foul play <laughs> well anyway we've, we've turned well, them all a chicken off in the, oh, no, let's get out of we've turned them all off and they're out of the way of the microphones and the computers so right the let's, microphones don't work let's crack on with part two as always let's commence part two the news from the last fortnight with the ins and the outs and the maybes and the loans and the trialists Banana Man what do we make of him so far then he looks quite good I'm not sure he it's in our system properly yet, but probably because he's too good. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> he needs to stop being so good. We need to make the system fit him. Well, this brings us on to Jake Livermore quite nicely, who's coming on loan uh, from Spurs. It's supposed to be a big, solid unit. Do we maybe see Livermore, Banana Man in there at the, in the centre midfield for for the running? Obviously, he's not going to drop housing because he never does. I think it would be wrong at this stage as well to completely change. We can't just have two loanees, two emergency loanees even, running our midfield. It, it doesn't seem sit right to me from a traditional point of view. End the season with the players that belong to you. Not just bring in some ringers for the last six weeks and let them steal the glory. Also, if they if Villa or Spurs get bad injury problems, they could possibly recall them. So we might get a team that plays beautifully for uh, 
two games, don't want to have it snatched away from us. If they got that sort of bad injury problems, we could offer them house. Give them Clayton. Well, Clayton's moved out, hasn't he? He came back and then moved out again. But he's gone to a uh, mysterious team that doesn't exist. He's playing out there in limbo at the moment. Is that abroad? Um, Nearly, Milton Keynes. (laughs) (laughs) Do we think there's something a little bit strange about having brought in Banana Man, who's fairly young? Uh, You can understand it, having seen how he plays, but Jake Livermore, who's younger than Clayton, and then we're farming Clayton out, you know, having acquired him from a Premier League club, is is there something not quite adding up there? Do we see a future for Clayton at Leeds? It's hard to see, because he's not properly young. He's early 20s, by which stage most players are at least getting themselves in, in and around the squad and making appearances from the bench, and he's not anywhere near it by the looks of it. I see a payoff on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cynic. Grayson I mean, and Snoddy, they really seem to run it as... They always give the impression that they've got a, a massive list of players that they think would be any good, and then just whichever ones are available at whichever time, they just get in and get out. And I wonder if Clayton was just... They looked at our midfield at the start of the season and thought, looking a bit thin, Johnson might like move in, uh, in the January window or something like that, and thought, this guy's free, trial... Looks all right. Keep him, and then it turns out they see him every day. Yeah, not that great. Bannon, nah, he's all right. We'll get him in. Have a look and Livermore. Just yeah, he's on our list. Oh, you'll let him go. Yeah, fine. It's almost what? as if it's more a case of clubs ringing us to say yes, he's available now rather than us actually getting a. But the loan thing player. did work last year. Was summer. So yeah, they've got that in the back of their minds that you know get some regular games and come back a bit fitter, a bit stronger. Do you think? Perhaps Simon Grayson lacks a bit of conviction and in, in, in belief in his own ability because this all seems to be indicating maybe that they don't trust themselves to put players into the team to give them a run. It's always like, well, we'll farm them out on loan to find out if they're any good and if they are, then we'll reap the benefits. When Sommer was clearly too good for Lincoln, as you can tell from how he's performed this season. So why not give some of these players a shot in the Leeds team? Because we're fifth. I think that might be part of it. First team's doing well, doing fine all season. There's no, not really been any... Becchio's had the odd bad game, but has there ever been a point where you would definitely drop him to give Summer 10 games like you got at Lincoln? We've never really been that bad. There may have been more chopping and changing if we'd been rubbish. We would have seen, If we'd been 18th in the table, we probably would have tried Nunes and Clayton just because obviously the players in the team would have been playing so badly, but because we're decent, they're a bit screwed. I mean, with Johnson and Kilkenny both potentially on the way out over Summer, that would be a way back in for him, I guess, if we don't strengthen over Summer, which I would hope we would, but... You well, never know. It. We've needed a central midfielder for a couple of years and failed to get one, so maybe he'll get it by default. Because we're worrying about the futures of Clayton and Nunes, but then it comes down to it. And I think, well, if the players who were blocking their way into the first team leave, let's hope we buy somebody to replace them. <laughs> but then we also say, well, shouldn't Nunes and Clayton get a chance? When are they going to get a chance if we buy some better players? And it just comes down to, well, if we end up selling them, I'll get over it. Do you think, to sort of extend that question a bit further, that Grayson's made the most of the squad that he's had at his disposal? Because McCormack's not far off being frozen out as it stands. problem with all of it is that we don't see these players every day, so they might be out of the first team for a reason. And that poxy reserve league we're in is mm. of such a poor standard playing against people like Gateshead and Lincoln in there who have got bad enough first teams, so to be playing their reserves... It's noticeable that when we came up against Borough reserves this week, we lost 1-0. Yeah, we've been breezing past everyone else yeah, in this, so in this league. Oh, Nunes looks great in the reserves, but then I suppose he didn't play against Middlesbrough, but still, you can't you can't judge from playing against Gateshead girls' team, however it was. <laughs> if anybody from Gateshead's reserve team is listening, sorry. I'm sure you're all good players. Other big news that's happened at Ellen Road this week, the East Stand development is underway, phase one. 
seen some fairly major changes to the structure of the stand. I don't know why they didn't just dig up the one at Chelsea and bring it north, <laughs> plunk it down, because that's exactly what he's copying, is that having a middle tier of just pure hospitality, as somebody on Wacko called them brilliantly, called them hostility sweets, <laughs> made me really laugh. I'm, I'm kind of going to defend Ken Bates on this, that it seems to make sense to get the hospitality all ship-shape and ready for if, I, as I presume, they will replace the West Stand at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, meanwhile, we can put the away fans in the West Stand, charge them top whack, and we've got you know good hospitality that, that will bring more revenue streams into the club. That's always a bit of a problem with a lot of Bates' plans, is that they're kind of, we can do this to the East Stand, because in the future he might do this to the West Stand, and that would be good. But he's never said anything about, well, all he's actually said is he wanted the World Cup bid to pay for the West Stand works, that would have done it, but now that isn't happening. Everything is the East Stand. We've got we've got a hotel to build before we ever look at the West Stand. So, But it's still there. You're right. It would be great to get all the um, hostility moved over to the uh, East Stand and then knock the West Stand down and start again or build another tier on top of it. But we're making something he's doing dependent on him doing something else as well, which it's fairly unlikely that he's going to. In the, in but they the, have said, the I mean, even if they're not going to, you know, stick their neck out and pay for it themselves. But you've got the Rugby World Cup coming up as well, which I, th- I suspect they no, want. No money for ground improvements. None? No. Okay. So that, that one's out the window, that told me. But they've got to do it at some point because it's getting to a point where the West Stand's not really fit for purpose anymore, is it? Particularly in terms of corporates and stuff like that. You know, it seems the world's moved on. And Banqueting Suite's only 20 years old. Still quite a long, fresh. A long time in football. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Things it, it's all wonderful improvements for the uh, for our corporate partners and yet I'd, no, there's going to be better toilets in the East Stand Upper. It's closed when it's redone. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is all a phase one as well, so yeah, it's, if you it's, take it's, it in stages. I can see it's a, a good idea to get yeah, like it or not. Is, yeah. The corporate world is there and does support football with a big revenue stream. Well, we we can't hold Arsenal up as a perfect example of how to run a football club without acknowledging that they flogged the death out of corporate football. You know, their entire middle tier, like Wembley, yeah. is, is devoted to it, isn't it? So can we complain when someone seeks to, you know, to, to again, maximise revenue streams? I can com- complain because I still wish it was 1985. <laughs> so, you know, the um, the floodlights offend me. <laughs> <laughs> On a more serious note, let's give a quick run through then of what is actually happening because not everybody might be aware of the fact that they're moving the gangways, the exits up, aren't they? Because the, the boxes are going to go at the very front of the east, what is now the East Stand Upper with the chairman suite in the middle and all the exec boxes across the front with a couple of rows of seats in there, if you can picture this. That's the overhang on the top tier that overhangs the, yes, the box that's what is the existing. They'll still be there. Yeah, so they're moving the exits up a level, aren't they? Mm. So access will be to a new gangway level with what is now the gangway for the East Stand Upper becoming a, f- a full corporate area, isn't it? And they're extending out into the structure backwards towards Lowfield Road. Yeah, they're going to put um, new offices and all that behind there. And, um... and then turn it into a monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Phase one, as we say, is, is kind of benign. The rest of it... Yeah, phase one, it still looks like a football ground. Yeah. The phases after that gradually make it look more like a crap shopping centre. <clears throat> phase with two... A, with a garden. Phase two is worth pointing out is realigning Lowfields Road, which is something that the club have been complaining to the council about because they are saying that the council should pay for it because they want it. But if you read anything to do with the planning application, um, it's absolutely clear that the only reason that the road needs to be moved is for the hotel, which is, I think, phase five. I was going to so, say, what, what need did the council have to realign a road that runs to a dead end by a motorway? <laughs> well, the plan is... Um, Tourists. <laughs> 
Needs widening um, for the parades. The, the council plan is to have a new road along behind the cop um, that then goes around to the exits for where car park is it. D comes out near the railway line anyway. Yeah. So that all that land can then be opened up. It's got an access straight off of the motorway roundabout, around the back of the transport interchange, around the back of the cop, and there. So the council's plan is to take traffic straight off. It's only Elland Road, it's only the football ground and the hotel that needs this route from Elland Road down Lowfields Road. So Harvey and Bates is whinging about the council not paying for it. I think it may have more to do with them not having the money to do it than any question of right and wrong as to who should pay for it. But anyway, that's phase two, realign a road, if anybody can find the money. Let's pause there at that point because, you know, phases... Before the nightclub? Well, yes, phases three, four <laughs> and five we can cover in, in future time should we ever get near to... To say uh, it quickly, it's moving the shop down at the other end, putting a nightclub underneath it, putting an arcade of shops all along the back of these stands <laughs> and then building, building a hotel. And a nightclub. I said the nightclub. Nightclub's underneath the shop. Of course, yeah. Sorry. A long way from the hotel, actually. People are going to have to walk all the way down that Lowfields Road to go and have a, a disco <laughs> By the time phase five gets done, they'll be carried there by robots. Apparently, if you um, look in the right places and uh, at the right time of night, you can um, pick up some seats from East Stand Upper at the moment. I've seen some photos floating around the forums and things of just like a, a, a row of about four seats just in people's backyards. <laughs> Other people have reported being told off by security, but you know, if, you're, if you're feeling... Don't steal things <laughs> is what we're saying. Don't steal things. Right, on to internationals. Johnny Housen called back up to the under-21s, even though we mentioned last time that he wasn't being called up again. But injuries meant he got included in the squad. So we, uh, But then injuries meant he pulled out again. So we were right. So we were right. Yeah. So a bit like the hokey cokey, in out, in out. Um, Brazil versus Scotland was uh, worth giving some eyes to. I watched the whole game hoping Snoddy would come on. He only got ten minutes. I was a bit upset at that. How did he play? Barely touched it. Did he teach yeah. Kaká? Like all, like all the Scotland players, didn't <laughs> didn't touch the ball. Just watched the ball being yeah. passed around them. But I did find myself looking like um, Dad watching his kids play football, going, "Pass it to our rubber! Pass it to our rubber! <laughs> it's over here! Pass it!" Did uh, Bannon play? He, he came did, on yeah. as well. How long was he on for? Uh, about half an hour. I would guess that's from memory. I don't know. Were you drunk? I know it was a Sunday lunchtime. <laughs> so, yes. Possibly, yeah. As um, long as Snoddy wasn't, then that's all that matters. <laughs> Snoddy didn't get injured, which was the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Pass it to our Robert, but nobody going hard on him, for God's sake. He's fragile. Don't tackle him. But yeah. at least he did get 10 minutes, unlike everyone else, who just clocked a pair of miles, not playing. Summer Nunes, Gradle, Kilkenny and Lehigh. All on new substitutes. Yeah. Good times. I can't imagine it's very fulfilling to travel so far to not play. Depends. If, if I was being paid thousands of pounds a week to be that, in that profession, I think I'd probably just stomach it. We'll come back on to the internationals then uh, shortly. Got to give quick mention then to the designer kit competition, which is uh, is underway. It's not the kit that we'll be wearing, although we will be wearing a new kit next season, it looks like, which is a shame because I really like this year's kit. I think that's the important part of the news, really, isn't it? We're getting a new home shirt and yep. it's going to probably be horrible. Because this one's quite nice. But the club are running a designer kit competition just for fun. There are no prizes, I don't think, besides the kit that you don't design. So essentially you can design what you want. Mm. You're not going to use it for anything. So if you're not bothered about winning a shirt, just send them anything. Send them a uh, Man United shirt, circa like 1989, and see if they notice. Imagine Ken Bates getting out, yeah, this one can win. Wear that. <laughs> on, on that note, though, what would you design and what would you like to see on the kit? White t-shirt. I've already posted it on Squareball Forum. Just a white t-shirt and white shorts. Don't put a badge on it. Nothing. Just white t-shirts. All we need. <laughs> like PE. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, not wearing their underwear, but um, 
no, yeah, just that. I don't see why we need anything else on it. Get some t-shirts off the market. When I was growing up, there used to be it was either match or shoot. I can't remember which one, but that used to have a little designer kit section. It was a different team, and regardless of the team, I didn't I didn't respect tradition much as a as an eight year old. It was always some sort of blue cam- and yellow zigzag. It was like a, a you know Campos, the Mexican keeper used to. Yeah. It was always stuff like that, just because I only had bright coloured felt pens. <laughs> So it's like an Everton kit, and it always had like bright purple flashes up it, and <laughs> that lightning streaks, unnecessary yeah. stuff. That's what away kits are for. You see, I, I, I'm fully in favour of green and blue stripes on the away kit for Leeds, or you know, blue and blue, or whatever Sick. they want. Sick vomit is fine. On to be fair, none kit. of the ones I designed were as bad as that. I like that, <laughs> that shirt. Oh, so it's you, awful. You're talking nonsense. Looks like a level from Super Mario. Which is good. Thought. What's wrong with that? Would you like to see a comeback of the all red away kit? No. What no. about the all-orange no. one? I think that would be good for a season. Blackpool. Work for Blackpool. Holland are quite <laughs> successful as well. Oh, they never win anything, so that fits. Yeah. They had the most skillful player of their uh, era, so Snodgrass. So, yeah, uh, get onto the, the Leeds website, find that, and send them your scrawlings. That's all we can recommend. Yeah. Just draw the word Leeds on a white shirt, send it in. You'll win. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Part three now then for you, and we've had an international week, so it would be remiss of us not to talk about internationals a little bit. Because nothing else has happened. Yeah, because we've got nothing else to talk about. Club versus country is the obvious place to start. Are you bothered about country in any way, shape or form? If by country you mean Yorkshire, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be. I've really fallen out of love with it over the last few years. Is that down to the players? I think it is, because you look at them and you think they're all dickheads, so why why would you want them to do well? I think it'd ruin any picture of us winning the World Cup if there's Wayne Rooney being carried around. Because I'd think, why is that knob I'd got to be on it? I think that's why a lot of lower league teams, fans, follow England. Because they don't see those players and hate them as much week in, week out as... We don't. I still hate them. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. But did did you feel any differently when we were at our our, our zenith, if you like, when we were living the dream, uh, quote-unquote? And we had a team full of internationals then, you know, like Mills was playing and Ferdinand was playing. And did you feel... Any sort of involvement towards it then? Not really. I did. There's definitely a difference if players from your team are playing because you you want to watch them doing well, even if you're not that bothered about the team playing. And then it works out as well that you know you'll sit through a Scotland match just to watch Snodgrass and um, you know people tuning into when uh, Honduras are playing and say, oh, Nunes is on. What was that game when England played Northern Ireland and Healy scored? Yeah. A lot of Leeds fans were more pleased that he scored rather than England lost. Well, we didn't see many goals from. Uh, you know, no, you it's hard from that right wing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself in in a sort of like in that way, in a bloody minded way, thinking, "I really hope someone scores against England, just to kind of rub it into the faces of the like you know your of your Terry's and people like that who are yeah. really objectionable characters." You think it'd be funny if someone really made them look stupid, make him cry again. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny for the players, but you bear in mind there are a lot of people who enjoy paying. 50 quid or whatever it is to go to Wembley and watch that rubbish. I suppose at least they don't have to listen to Andy Townsend, but they, I suppose, I don't particularly need their evenings ruined. On the flip side of this, though, there is a point worth making that it's really rubbish when there are internationals on and Leeds are not playing. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Although that does symbolize that we're not in Division 3 anymore. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I actually got through the weekend and it was only when, um, I mean, this makes me sound like an ignorant uh, Leeds fan, but I'd, I'd forgotten that there would be a League One and Two program until Sunday, and there was suddenly there was results. People played yesterday. I noticed it on my uh, series-linked football league show. I thought, oh, that's recorded. We're not on that. I watched it anyway. Any good? No, uh, it was all League One and League Two. Rubbish. Didn't Jesus <laughs> score? He did. He scored. Uh, he scored a beauty. Who did? Our, our Lord. Yeah, and uh, Mikey almost took. Uh, Whoever Swindon Somebody were playing, pound it's camp. a pound camp, but he hit the bar. How are they doing there at um, ex-Leeds United anyway? Not very well still, they're still struggling down there. Missing the painter man's uh, stamping influence. <laughs> so let's rewind then and go back a few years and think back to the days when that famous picture was taken of all the uh, internationals at Ellen Road in their, in their caps. There was one of them uh, where they're on the pitch or wearing their caps in the classic team formation. Mm. And there was also that one in the car park, I think, wasn't there as well, when they're all stood in a big L shape. Yeah, I love that picture. And we had a dozen or more internationals in, in the team. You can't really name a Leeds player from that era who wasn't an international. It was even like Paul Maidley, who he wasn't even, well, he, he played 600 games for Leeds or whatever, but um, didn't have a, a first team position, played 25 times for England just because he was, our reserves were better than anybody else. Frightening. I always used to feel a deep sense of injustice towards the fact that Tony Dorigo never got to play for England as much as he should have, really, because of Stuart Pearce. I mean, he was Australian. So, uh... There is that. To bring that in, but he was better as well, though I think. I mean, he was a he was a classier player. Yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't have the stereotypical English grit about him. He would probably have scored that penalty, but then I suppose that means that then Pierce wouldn't have redemptively scored his own penalty, and but then that doesn't make up for you know Dorigo may have scored both. It's all conjecture. I like Dorigo. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking back at, at that era, and I was um, seeing players from our title winning side who got caps. And it was really quite upsetting how underrepresented we were, given that was during the Graham Taylor era as well. I was looking at some of the players. We had, um, we had people like Chapman, Fairclough, Wallace, Sterling, all good players, got one cap between them, while at the same time, Jeff Thomas got nine caps, Carlton Palmer got 18, Andy Sinton got 12, Tony Daly got seven, and David Bardsley got two. David Bardsley is a frightening one, isn't it? Are you saying David Bardsley was better than Mel Sterland? Mel Sterland, I'm saying no. His legs had gone before the time we were <laughs> in the league, though. But um, there was a, an England B international that I, I remember vividly because uh, Batsy Chapman and I think Dorigo and possibly Hodge all played for England B, I think, against Iceland. And it was 1990, so it was the season before we'd won the league. And so it meant that suddenly uh, Match and Shoot had posters of our team in England shirts. And, uh, 
that was that was Lee Chapman in an England kit. Come on. England, was, England B International have gone, haven't Well, yeah, we saw an England yeah. B International when they played Ghana. Pretty much, week, yeah. didn't they? They didn't bother putting the first team out. I think that's part of the reason international caps have become a bit devalued as well, because anyone gets them now, because you get 10 substitutes in a game sometimes. And... That was the whole reason they brought Danny Well back on last night, was so he can't ever play for Ghana in the future, which is there's a, a weird situation. <laughs> it's the same with Northern Ireland. They changed the rules recently where um, players can swap from Northern Ireland to the Republic. And so there's a real problem for affecting Snodding about whether they just play players now so that they can't swap in the future. It's like anybody who might be any good, get them capped. And it's just like, that ain't right. One, um, one you missed from your list, John Lukic. It's still an absolute crime that he never got an England cap. Because uh, even bef- like his late years at Arsenal and then his, the first years of his return to Leeds, it's absolutely magnificent. But that was Occasionally threw the ball on his own. But that was in an era of... A hell of a lot of very good English goalkeepers, wasn't it? Yeah, and we stuck yeah. with the 40-year-old who couldn't save a penalty, Peter Shilton. And then stuck with David Seaman for too long as well, yeah. which meant Nigel Martin only got 23 caps. That, yes, again. That was a travesty. Because he was the, probably the best keeper five or six years in the Premiership and barely played. But he, and I would imagine of those 23, at least half were in pointless friendlies. And he got so much grief for not going to the World Cup as well when, um, when it was in Japan and South Korea. He was named as like third-choice keeper and he just said, well... No, I've Screw got family that. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've got better things to do in my summer than sit on the bench in, on the other side of the world. Be like, oh, you dreadful, unpatriotic swine. It's like, well, you know, if you'd ever played me. I really miss Nigel Martin still. Yeah. I really, I really hanker after a keeper of his standard. That was no. one of the uh, depressing things about our relegation season, watching him be brilliant for Everton. I've, don't get me wrong, I like, I like Kasper Schmeichel, but I think he needs to mature a little bit more. He needs to get in charge of his defence. He's probably going to mature into a very, very fine keeper. Whether we see the benefits of that maturity or not is a different question, but I do miss seeing Nigel Martin because when he played for Leeds, it was it was magic. He was a great player. In the um, Taylor era, another one, did you mention Batty? Uh, no. He got, he, got, a... he, got some, he got some caps. Yeah, sadly. Played at right back as well. <laughs> Euro 92, David Batty at right back. And he actually, I don't think anybody would say he did badly. I think no. he was absolutely fine. But did then, he play at right back in when he had the... Uh, three-man defence as well. Oh, God. Okay. Surely can't. You don't even have a right-back in a three-man defence, do you? <laughs> right, he must have been right wing-back. God, I don't know. And then, yeah, of yeah. course, Batty ended up with his penalty miss for England and then uh, and naturally just shrugged it off. I was my Batty for the fact that he didn't give a toss about the yeah. penalty miss. There was never going to be a, a guess, Stuart Pearce style I'll, I'll fix this one day for I'll, the country. I'll do pizza adverts. Yeah, just, <laughs> it was only nah, football. Yeah. yeah. Well, harking back to the 70s, I can remember when I was a lad and the 1974 World Cup at 74. We didn't qualify. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Scotland. Oh, these players. oh you're Scottish now. And we had the uh, David Harvey, Bremner, Lorimer, Jordan and McQueen all inside. But oddly enough, when we got to the 78 World Cup, we didn't have a Leeds player in the squad. Hadn't um, Bremner misbehaved in Denmark in between? I, th- I think he had. There was a, a nightclub incident, wasn't there, in a disgraceful end to his international career. Good yeah. lad. <laughs> <laughs> in fine keeping with Leeds tradition. Yes. It's worth saying the England players from that uh, that era, to say we were the dominant team for so long, got remarkably few caps between them. It's the West Ham Mafia. It was. There was only really Charlton, who was in the early days, who got a decent amount of caps. The rest of them. I've, I've actually got some comparisons as well. Clark, 19 caps. Emil Heskey, 62. Oh, <laughs> Maidley, 20, 24 caps. Phil Neville, 59. <laughs> Mick Jones, 3 caps. Derice Vassell, 22. <laughs> It's I, no wonder people don't don't respect international football anymore. <laughs> Saying I enjoyed the England Ghana game, 
there do seem to be are there too many internationals too many friendly i mean, i hate it when people just trot out oh it's a meaningless friendly it's not meaningless friendly it's just like getting in international experience for a bunch of players who wouldn't otherwise play i missed the worst one off that list by the way it needs mentioning Reeney three where's brown 22 <laughs> oh, take it all back we should just <laughs> shut down international football just close it I it's think... not leads it's not like watching <clears throat> club football to me it is a poor second is this because the champions league has become the monster that it is now and it's all become about that and money Doesn't... the world cup's all about money as well but it's just fifa grasping at it this time rather than the, rather than the clubs I mean, it's difficult to get yourself up for just moderate international matches because I get more excited about Leeds playing a pre-season friendly than I do about England playing a friendly. That's Watching England play is just like, well, there's a game on terrestrial television because I... I, I don't have Sky, um, <laughs> so I can I can watch it. And it's like, oh, I'll get to in see your world, Sky's not even been invented yet, has it? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, if the Sugar's game, just pioneering the square reel. When uh, when Channel Five had um, all the Scotland matches, oh, I, but you do have I, five. I assumed they. I know. I assumed that Scotland's international team had been closed. So have you, that's have all you got something is. against the Scottish? Because in the last few podcasts, you've, you've been railing against I, uh, them. I love Scotland. I think it's, I've had a lot of fun in um, Glasgow and Edinburgh. Some time. I find the um, accent very attractive. So no. But perhaps it's going across that way. Do you think it's a bit strange now looking at people who've played for us that no longer do, like Milner, Lennon as internationals? Did we ever think they'd, they'd make it to that sort of level? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I mean, maybe there's some people out there still wondering why Fraser Richardson isn't England's first choice right back. That's maybe more of the... It is weird. I mean, it's weird watching um, Lennon prancing around the... the Stadiums of Europe with Tottenham this season and looking completely comfortable against Milan and we'll see how he does against Real Madrid and so on. But the weird one, the one that is freaking me out completely, is Gary Speed, manager of Wales. There's, mm, I mean, mm, uh, mm, I'm not that that old. I'm not so old. What you're saying, I think what those mm's perhaps are trying to articulate is that you remember him breaking through into the lead side in the year that we got promoted. He's a floppy-haired youngster. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Go on, Gary Speed, get one yourself, son, and now he's... And then coming back after the title win when he had that sort of slightly long, wet-look perm that um, then uh, lasted about half a season. See, those moments, and then suddenly watching the the build-up to the game on Saturday when he's got his arms around his assistant managers and he's singing the Welsh national anthem and he's wearing a suit. And it's just, why, why are they letting him pick the team? It's Gary Speed. <laughs> well, surely they could get a manager. What just happened to the last 20 years? And also, he's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> he's not very good, is he? Apparently that's why Sheffield United were uh, so keen to let him go. Yeah. You want to you do what? <laughs> you, you want Gary? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then they do exactly the same with Neil Collins. <laughs> and we went, oh, go on, you can have him. <laughs> It'll cost you a million, though. International managers-wise, then, we've had a few that have uh, been on our doorstep, some more briefly than others. It shows, in, in many ways, the uh, the falling stature of international football, that at the time people people quit jobs to manage national teams, even Scotland. A lot of fine people have managed Scotland. <laughs> well, I take it the example you're pushing out there is Jock Steen. Yeah, who was was uh, eager to leave us to, to go and do that, whereas now they struggle to get someone to take it, didn't they? Don't they? they uh, I mean, they got a German to do it, and then they've ended up Scraping around Scotland, which is now not exactly a, a strong footballing nation. Well, you talk of Jock Steen's reign at Leeds. Obviously, he was there for 44 days, same as Clough, wasn't he? And Clough always put forward as the best England manager that never was. Until David O'Leary came along. And Harry Redknapp will no doubt throw his own name in that, that category. I'm looking forward to uh, when Capello goes and the, the two applicants, Harry Redknapp, Jose Mourinho, 
And Howard we'll, Wilkinson. <laughs> and we'll pick Redknapp. Yeah, Wilkinson got half a game as England manager. Didn't he manage? It was a, was it a friendly against France. I thought, yeah. done it, I thought he might have done it more than once. I think he just did it once, like a caretaker capacity. He probably should have been England manager at some point, even after he'd left us. I know he was always working at the FA, but he would have been ideally suited to that sort of be out of the loop. Go Ridiculously watch. bureaucratic yeah. organisation. Train him up now and then, see what happens. That's his, that would suit him. We don't need to mention Venables, really, do we? No one likes him. Do you know what? I'd actually forgotten about him. Right yeah. When you, when you started this bit. And also, final mention for Peter Reid, Thailand manager. <laughs> on an extended perverts holiday <laughs> I don't know what the thinking was at the uh, <laughs> at the, uh, the Thailand H- FAHQ and they thought get Peter Reid on the phone and then they had Brian Robson as well Gary Megson surely next in line <laughs> so do we have a few budding potential internationals on our side now as we sort of touched on in the last couple of podcasts Maxi Gradle making his way in Snodgrass Kilkenny obviously current international Sommer's just broken through Johnny Wanee almost knocking on the door it's kind of a sign that we're back they are all our players as well none of these low knee nonsense and it's nice that the ones we had last season and now this season getting some international recognition it shows that we're back on that worldwide radar and I think um, who hasn't had a call yet? Becchio I think is that's is, got to be coming it's, it can't be far away I mean uh, Argentina drew nil-nil with Costa Rica so they're missing that cutting edge worth giving a quick thought to Paddy Kisnarbo of course in Australia international he'll be back I hope so I have every confidence that we'll get a, a new contract in the summer he's not finished he's not, oh, I like him he's a comparatively young man I, I, like he's Touching 30, um, he probably remembers Gary Speed breaking through into the first team. Um, but I don't see his it. I mean, it'd be wrong to write him off at this early, wouldn't it? People still talk about John Woodgate getting back to play for England. If you know, if that's even the remotest possibility. I know he's got injured again in a friendly this week. But if that's possible, then he got a bad injury. It happens to players. And they come back from it. Look at Alan Shearer. Mr. Year came back a bit slower. Scored 300 goals, most of them against us. So... <laughs> So to wrap it up, God, I hate internationals, do you? I'd say I hate them, but they ain't Leeds. Last part of this Squareball podcast, then we'll have a look at what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And thankfully, we've got more than one game to get our teeth into this time. Eight games to go, the first two of which are Forest and Millwall. Are two we cup finals. Two more cup finals in our series of eight cup finals. Are we, are we looking forward to these in any way, shape or form anymore? <sighs> Has this, has this season gone from being quite enjoyable to a bit of a grind now? It, it was. It was building and I was enjoying it more and more as the games went on and now we've got something at stake and it feels horrible again. <laughs> I feel sick what, going to Ellen Road again now. It's not like last season though where we, we were desperate to get out of League One and we did really need to win those games. We don't need to win these games. If we stay in this league, it's not a great hardship. This is like if we get up really early for a week then we'll get cake at the weekend but if we don't bother... Still get a bun. Yeah, but is that going to diminish the real pain of losing in the playoffs, which we quite possibly will? Well, I don't think anything is going to really counteract the pain that we've got coming because I don't see us really being so bad that we're going to drop out of the playoff positions. But then also don't see us being so good that we're going to win the playoffs. So, yeah, defeat We should the be immune, immune to losing the playoffs anyway by now. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, the, it's the optimism that kills you, isn't it? it? Just, you get, we'll get there, we'll think, oh, we're only, <clears> we're only three games away from the Premier League, what, what a glorious return it would be, and then wallop. We'll... No, they're all just bullets bouncing off my steel chest. So while we talk about teams faltering as they head towards the playoffs, at least Forrest, our next opponents, are doing just that, showing the old uh, nerves under job done. That'll be why they're doing badly. 
his management. He is a horribly smug little twat, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Most managers who are smug have normally got something to back it up, but he's just he's not quite lived up to his promise. I, I wouldn't say he did. He did well at Preston, and I, I must admit, at one stage, I thought he'd probably do all right for us. But he's just a knobhead. I've nothing more to say about him. I don't like him one bit. <laughs> it's mature, incisive analysis like yeah. that that will see us to the top of the iTunes chart. His career does just seem to be going from one average team to another and doing quite well and then failing. And blaming the board for lack of money, which he always does as well. Yeah, and um, and that'll re- repeat when we beat them on Saturday. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. Can we just issue an apology now? Because people associate us with your stupidity. When you let your mouth run away with yourself like that... You were, we could, get we get blamed for this. I could see in your eyes you wanted me to say it. Can we dare, dare we predict? Can you even imagine what's going to happen on Saturday? We'll I, th- I think we'll turn up for it on this occasion in the same, same sort of way that we did against Norwich. I have a bad feeling that we're going to stick with the same side as against Sheffield United. He's going to give them a chance to make amends, and they, they probably won't. I'd like to see things change. I don't know what exactly, but things. <laughs> I'm not the manager. I don't have to make that decision. Stuff should change. We'll just stick Livermore in the side then. Don't know, is he any good? I don't know. That's Scored problem, against Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Scored against Barcelona in a friendly. It was a header though, so it's not really telling you a lot about his midfield skills. So, on a more serious point then, for all Being this... serious. For all this talk of, about Livermore. For all this talk of getting players in that are going to improve us, we don't actually know if he's going to improve us or not, do we? Just some kid from Tottenham Reserves, isn't he? So. I mean, he's played in this league before and Spurs, I think, rate him fairly highly. I don't know if Spurs rate him as much as the... Seems that have had him on loan. And he played against him. us already this season? Uh, Ipswich. It, yeah, yeah. He, he looked really was good. Was it Derby as well? hope not, because then he'd probably have played for too many teams and we'll have to send him back. I can't Possibly. remember what the rules are. I think he has played for Derby, might have been last season. I think emergency yeah. loans don't count or something. Just, pick, just pick a team at the start of the season, stick with it. 12 men's enough to see you through exactly. a season. Exactly. Forest at one stage looked like they were going to get second because they had games in hand and I think if they won them they'd have gone six points clear a third and they just completely knackered it up. They'll have got an inspirational team talk from their manager time to win those games and they'll be up there. Probably told them that they'd already been promoted. Job done. Yeah. Well, they looked vastly superior to us in the first half of the game down there at the start of the season, which feels like a, a long, long time ago now, doesn't it? But we came back and deserved the point in the end. And we, like you say, we were a very different team then. We were still not sure if we were any good. And I think the players hopefully have got a bit more faith in themselves now that we're at least a, an above average team in this league. That was the first away game and I think everyone was still a little bit worried about going down at that stage. On to Millwall then, I had the, the displeasure of passing their ground several times on the train when I was down visiting the in-laws uh, last week. It's in a bit of a dive of an area, Bermondsey, not my cup of tea. Do you not buy any olives there? No, the <laughs> distinct lack of feta and hummus, yes. Um, but we really took them apart, didn't we, at Ellen Road earlier this season, showing how far we'd come You know, since last season when we struggled against them. Same teams, it's a surefire recipe for going down there and losing, isn't it? You are, you, mm. you are such a negative Nancy. I'm not, I've just you know, got... 20 old or 30 years of experience of watching Leeds and seeing We won us... the league in that time. Yeah, but that was a that was an aberration. It's not what we normally do. They scored quite a few goals lately as well, Millwall, haven't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of wavering from my prediction that we're going to go up this season because I just I don't know what's happening anymore. You were the most confident. You have a go at me for cursing the Forest game, which we're going to win. And yet you <laughs> stood here, sat here, you were here at least, confidently proclaiming that promotion was practically Billy Davies. And now you're going back on it. You've got to have at least a little bit of courage in these stupid convictions of yours. All right, then. We'll go up. Right, then. We're going to lose, against, we're going to lose against Millwall, though. Probably. <laughs> We've not won there in a while. 
Yeah, Andy Hughes scored, didn't he? For goodness sake. He did, his only goal, followed by a dance of sorts anyway. Probably some of the worst robotic dancing I've ever seen. At least but he tried. He tried. It was a good goal, actually. Nicely worked. A little uh, one-two one, across one, two, the box. Yeah. Did you see the away fan, the Cardiff fan? Fell off the top tier at Millwall. Yeah, yeah but then did you see the stand? Not that far. They were reporting well, Not that far. He fell in first. I don't want to... Yeah, make light of the fact he fell 12 or 15 it's not feet. Quite, it's not yeah. quite the East Upper. Yeah, and and landed on some plastic seats. The way they were reporting it all afternoon, like terrible scenes at uh, the new den. And, and it, it, it sounded awful. Then you saw a photograph of the stand, didn't you? Know? They could have just stopped it there, though. Terrible scenes at the new den. Yeah, Millwall. That's that's it. It's and, Millwall. And what's new? When we played there before, there's... Because Leeds fans just get shoved in the upper tier, as Cardiff were. And you got like a charge of Millwall fans, but then they kind of reached the edge of their upper tier and realised they couldn't bridge like a 25-metre gap. <laughs> so they just sort of ran to the edge of a bit and then went, Whoa! and were just angry a bit closer, but still not anywhere near enough to uh, to even throw anything. Did you hear what happened to the Cardiff fan? I mean, it was actually his own fans who charged towards the front of the stand, wasn't it? He was, wasn't he off. standing on the front, yeah. um, like hoarding, and then just... Went off. So I mean, thank. We wouldn't be laughing about it if he'd been badly injured. I mean, you said the, the chap's all right, and he'll not with the mics on anyway. No. <laughs> um, and it'll be okay. But you know, falling off some pissy little stand in a back end of London. It's not national news. Maybe national news in Wales. I don't know. <laughs> Bit racist against the provinces yet again. But so out of these two games, representing a quarter of the season that's left, the normal season before we get to the playoffs, perhaps. How Hope many- for a win against Forest. Probably a draw. Would you take? Would you take? I'm not saying we're going to get them, but would you take four points from this yes. set of two matches? I'd take a win out of either of them. It depends what happens to everyone around us because they're all impossible to predict as well. The problem is now because we everyone in the playoffs keeps losing. There's a couple of others now on the fringes that are looking a bit threatening. Mm. Reading have crept up and they're with an outside chance now, and Turning it's not into, it's not yeah. quite the close shop it was at one stage. Turning Plus, our sixteen team clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, our last four home games are all against teams just below us as well. Oh no, <laughs> that's good. It means we can yeah. really. So not only are the cup finals, they're all six pointers as well. Well, what? the teams all below us are probably going to loan Doyle around one by one <laughs> so that they can just run our midfield again. I'm tempted just to go on holiday for six or eight weeks and. Got a podcast to do and a magazine to write. No, just two magazines to write. I've just got a, a temptation to go on holiday for that length of time and just come back after it's all finished to just tell me how we did. Like you say, it's, it's just know what you did last year. The stuff was... <laughs> <laughs> just swanned off on the last day because you couldn't take it. It's about time. I mean, look, this doesn't really matter. The repercussions of not getting promoted this season aren't too severe. Bearing in mind, as you said, when we played Forest away at the start of the year, we, we thought we still might get relegated. So this is your opportunity when nothing much is at stake to show a little bit of backbone and stick around for the next six weeks. Don't just go and hide abroad. That's, that's, that's a coward's way. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Consider yourself told. Okay. Um, right, I'm confidently predicting two wins and glorious promotion then. I'm pleased to hear you. One uh, point on board. I'm predicting. We'll be out of the playoffs next time we speak to you. Well, you tell me off if ever I predict anything. Something like that. I predict a Galatasaray flag at Millwall. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That'll happen. Becoming a bit predictable now, isn't it? Cutthroat gesture. Yeah. yeah. I think all that'll happen. Yeah. Lovely folks, aren't they? Right. So that's that. A wild set of predictions. and <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just hard to know. Well, we don't even know who's going to be playing. Well, it'll be Leeds, Leeds will be Forest playing. and Millwall. <laughs> but as to the personnel, who can tell? Painter can't play because he's suspended for nothing. Someone may get a chance. Becky may look tired. We've got some new midfielders. May change formation. Might not. 
Might not. <laughs> I mean, this the break could have been perfect for us because Becchio and Snoddy were both looking tired. Gradle could probably have done with a rest because he's been playing a lot of games without a break. So you know we might come we might come back refreshed and brilliant. So please let this season come to an end and let's get glorious promotion just once, please. Right, any other business time? Enoch, he may have left, may have left us, but he's still back to bother our fans <laughs> with his uh, getting us to look at some iffy website that he's set up. It's a survey. It was for confusing. his dissertation. Incredibly confusing. Yeah, he's thing. not done a very good job of it. He's I'm glad fail. he's not been left in charge of the census. Tick a box. Do you have five kids? Are you married? This is one box, Enoch. <laughs> <laughs> this makes no sense. He's tried to. So, what's this for? The dissertation it, is for what? He seems he's doing a degree. Right. Um, a business in, degree. Yeah, kind. and he seems to be looking into what like groups of Leeds United fans, like what social group they fall in. So he's attempted to construct a survey for his dissertation, but instead of just having individual questions, he's He's, he's put like groups of statements that you have to say how far you agree with them, but they're also contradictory. It doesn't, you, you can't really say one way or the other. Essentially, he's cocking up his degree and his future. <laughs> well, if he fails, he's going to have to do it again. It's all statements like, Leeds United is the most important thing in my life. I am not that bothered when they lose. I spend £1,000 at the club shop every time I go to Welland Road. And no agree or things, disagree, you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with that bit, but not that bit. Yeah, so if you're listening, Enoch... You've explained it to me and I'm confused. So well... How, how on earth he's going to process the data? I'm glad he's not been left in charge of anything serious, is the, the main thing. At least it's only his own life he's messing up. <laughs> <laughs> He'll always have the poetry to fall back on, at least, if the business da, world da doesn't work out. Da, showman Dapo MC, if you're not familiar. <laughs> if you Google Enoch Shawumni poetry, um, you'll find his, his website and... Um, I think he's actually he's better at the poetry than the business degree. You, you're barking up the wrong tree, Enoch. It's time. Like This is almost... I'm in the mood for just intervening and turning people's lives around. I'm feeling a bit a bit Scylla Blackish. Yeah, I was going to think, say Jeremy Kyle, but... Well, Enoch isn't scum. Just concentrate on what you're good at, Enoch. Give up the business degree. Give up football. <laughs> concentrate <laughs> on the poetry. <laughs> You thieve my punchline, you swine. <laughs> it's nice to see uh, Barry Banan, uh, the banana man on Twitter. Barry, but it's pronounced bone. <laughs> um, yeah, he made quite a, a splash in his entry because he, um, he he seems to be, I suppose, the life of an unknown footballer. He's uh, he's living not far from here, from where we we record in the Radio Air Studios. He is on... He's the, just uh, over the road, isn't he? He's, actually, on, yeah. he's on the Burley Road Corridor. He's been cited, very exciting. And yeah, he joined Twitter and then made it his mission to reply to every single tweet he got um, in the first, like, 12 hours. And if you read back, it's just, like, a constant stream of him just going, yeah, mate, Ma- M8 yeah, mate. as well, M8, yeah. not, not mate. Oh, great stuff. Cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. I mean, to be fair, he does it all. And yeah, but there was a, a bit of business. People didn't really believe it was him, so his Twitter photograph was a hilarious picture of him holding up a... A piece of paper with his username written on, and um, getting smaller towards the end because he'd <laughs> run out of space. <laughs> run out of space on the paper, like a six-year-old, right? And you can see it on um, the Squareball blog, along with a few of the other attempts he had, because uh, obviously he didn't just run out of space on the paper. He couldn't decide exactly what to write at first, and uh, there's a lot of pictures they took until they found the right one. So Squareball.net/blog. Scroll down a bit, find Barry Bannon's uh, photographic record. And we'll give a full name check out to Sarah Morris, who very kindly brought me some chocolates while selling the square ball. You? She, she gave them to me, and I kindly brought them all in. I say all of them. I brought a box of chocolates in. Anyway. Yes, that was the Sarah that we mentioned last time. On That's the podcast, right. So we'll it? give her a full name check, because I forgot her name. And if you'd uh, like to... Yeah, if you want to spread the love, she's, what, Sazzy BM on Twitter. On Twitter. And she loves a tweet. She's about 27,000 <laughs> tweets. 
Get out more, Sarah. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Get out more. And to the shops to buy chocolate and give it to Addy. Give it yeah. to us. And if anybody does follow her, uh, you'll know she's had a Leeds United mug stolen. Cupgate, as she's named it. After all that socialising, let me move on to the Squareball magazine because issue eight is on sale now, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast. Last couple of hundred copies of that will be on sale against Forest. In there, various bits and bats, guide to all our loanees, um, excluding a whole series of them that were overlooked by our friend at the beating generation.co.uk. Um, we'll have an update, I think, probably in issue nine. We should have some. We're planning to include them. Yeah, corrections. Cut also, out and, and make your own poster. Yeah, stick on a conflict box, that yeah. sort of thing. Also, we'll have the second part of a letter from 1992 in issue 9, which is going to be following on from the one that's in issue 8. Very, very good indeed. Also in issue 8, Oddie's article, Could You Run Football on TV? We've got yours, Moscow, Andy Hughes' side before self-attitude, uh, your 2003-2004 depressing article, and a, a much lighter piece, I think, as well, from Phil Magson, Sabotaging Scum Merchandise and Scum Kids. I don't think you mean sabotaging scum kids. That would be Probably quite a depressing read if you're a scum fan. So if, you, if you're a Leeds fan and you buy it and you know a scum fan, give it to them, make them cry. Someone I work with today actually um, asked me for a copy of Square Ball because his mate, it's, it's his birthday and he's a Huddersfield fan and he just wants to give him it to annoy him. <laughs> so, fair play to him. Did, did you have any left of the one from last season now, a cup final programme? Oh, sadly not. Them? If you want to buy the Square Ball as a gift for anyone, uh, offer yourself, you can get it online at thesquareball.net. You can also buy it in person at Ellen Road at the home games. There are sellers at the external corners of Ellen Road. Um, also, don't forget there's a digital option as well if you want to buy that on thesquareball.net. PDF, straight to your desktop. You can read it at your leisure. Also on the squareball.net, that's the new look website. You will find the blog, which was launched at the back end of January. Plenty of original writing on there. The best bits of the old magazines uh, for you to get your teeth into as well. And if you fancy writing something for the Square Ball, why not write it and send it to us then? We're always looking for new contributions. Uh, just send it to mag at thesquareball.net. If you want to get in touch with us here at the podcast, email podcast at thesquareball.net. You can find us on Facebook and you can also reach us on Twitter. Time to sign off then for this edition of the Square Ball podcast. Bye from me. Goodbye from Michael Normanson. Goodbye. And Moscow White. Hey. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, all being well. Uh, enjoy the fortnight. Don't forget to get in touch with us. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. We'll get there. We'll think, oh, we're only <clears throat> we're only three games away from the Premier League. What, what a glorious return it would be. And then Wallop will... No. They're all just bullets bouncing off my steel chest. Pew! Pew! So while we (coughs) said that for the end, (laughs) incoming. (laughs) So while we talk about, (laughs) (laughs) so while (laughs) no. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.